What up, witches? Here's our first podcast analysis of Bitchcraft, the first episode of Season 3, American Horror Story Coven. It runs a little longer than our average podcast because we had so much to talk about and wanted to make sure we fit it all in in case it's important down the road. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash this American Horror Story Podcast or on iTunes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my buddy, co-host Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. We're back, and you're back, and Tyler's back, and I'm back. How are you doing, Tyler? First episode, man. Ugh. New season, always exciting. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. It's October, so it's spooky already, and the fact that this show came back right now is fantastic. Uh, we've been very eager to to watch it, so um, as people know who's probably listened to our preview episode, so it's phenomenal to be back doing this again. I know what you mean. I, it's a little chilly outside. I turned down the lights, made it real nice and spooky, so it's working out, working out well. Um, as always, we want to remind everybody that if they have questions or comments on this episode or any of our, or I guess only our preview episode, really, <laughs> so far up the season, please email us at um, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstorypodcast. We appreciate that. And of course, on iTunes, any reviews, comments, or critiques are always super appreciated. Right, man? Yeah, absolutely. We love that. We want to interact with you guys, so please engage us and we'll read some of your stuff and answer some questions or more likely you'll give us questions that we should have been asking so we love it absolutely what are you uh, drinking the, tonight dude i was about to ask you the same question i am drinking my classic american horror story cocktail which is just apple cider and bourbon <laughs> nice i thought you would it's, do that mine I, i'm doing bourbon on the very rocks very classy toast to that and Cheers. toast to a new season yeah here we go and without further ado, let us dive immediately in to American Horror Story Coven. Woo! Open in New Orleans in 1938, it is the famous LaLaurie House, um, where we immediately see Kathy Bates uh, socializing, um, pretty much being, she's kind of like the center, she's at the center of the room, um, everyone's kind of courting her or like guests seem to be like coming up one at a time and like introducing themselves and she's kind of the she seems kind of boisterous life of the party kind of personality um so we're not really aware of this dark side she has at, at the beginning um we do she she's introducing her daughters to um some gentlemen potential suitors not quite sure what that is she talks with her daughter one of her daughters is a little bit sassy and talks about like not being married yet or something like that and we see her kind of from across the room like you know they say something about her future marriage and then we kind of see her make eye contact with an african-american guy across the room and the camera does something kind of interesting where it like zooms in a little bit so it's like we have just like a little circle around the guy from across the room um which brings me to 
the director of this episode, which our is our favorite, our favorite, Alfonso Gomez Rejon, which did many of our favorite episodes from last season. Right, um, and he is a bit really into these interesting camera angles, camera tricks, uh, music. I mean, he does a lot of different cool things that we like. Um, and of course, I thought this was a cool trick, camera trick, because it kind of fit with like the old timey period piece they were kind of doing here at the beginning right definitely yeah i'm excited i was very excited when i saw he would be directing this so and right off the bat we're getting great uh cinematography cinematography uh from him Mm -hmm. and i I mean cut immediately from this to uh kathy bates opening a jar of blood and dipping a brush into it and brushing it on her face so we kind of immediately go from her the boisterous kind of life of the party to like at night, the dark side comes out. Some cray-cray lady, yeah. And that there's your reminder. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're watching American Horror Story. And she's ta- She's like rubbing it all on her face. And this scene, to me, reminded me of The Crucible when like having like the blood on the face kind of thing. It, it just like Abigail Williams gets at the beginning when she like gets hit in the face by... Or she like bites the bird thing or whatever. That was like chicken um, blood or something, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, is it, it must be a chicken. <laughs> don't remember, but yeah. So I feel like that was a little bit of an homage right there. Um, and she kind of talks about how this is like to keep her skin tighter and she's obsessed with like youth and vanity and stuff like that, which it t- seems to be an ongoing theme in this episode. Um, when she's kind of burst in upon by one of her servants who says that her daughter has been caught pretty much having sex with this guy we saw earlier at the party. So, with blood on her face, she, like, busts down on him and starts, like, beating her daughter. Uh, And the guy's trying to apologize and say that the girl came on to him and all this stuff. And basically, Madame LaLaurie says that they're going to call it a rape. um, That the guy came on to her daughter. Um, So, she has him placed in this torture attic, which is super gruesome and super, like you said, American Horror Story for... Beginning. I mean, this is a horrifying credit sequence all, all in itself. Right. Um, we've got a guy with his eyes and lips sewn shut, and she says something about, like, don't make me cut open your lips and force feed you more shit or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good Lord, this lady's really, messed up. And, uh, I mean, this is not the socialite guy. we thought. We Someone with their their skin peeled off their face, but that person is, like, still alive. Yeah, there there and was then, some uh, there was some definite uh, uh, makeup stuff happening that reminded me of Asylum. Oh, it was gnarly. And then, um, of course, we see the guy chained at the end. Uh, the guy changed in the back. Uh, are we assuming that this is the guy that her daughter was having sex with? Yeah, I, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. And so she has him like chained, and it looks like this is supposed to be later in time because he's already been kind of beaten a bit, and. They have this little kid bring, which she uses a super racist term, I think. Is it Piccaninny is what she says to call the kid, which is an old racist term. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. So, and that's but going to be one of our themes this season, our race relations. And obviously, she's a slavery. insane racist. Um, Apparently, she's only killing, you know, black people. Oof. And she has him bring forward this, like, bull's head that they hollowed out, essentially, and put on the slave dude to make him into, like, a human minotaur. And she kind of gives a speech about how she loves Greek mythology and minotaurs and stuff like right. that. And we get even, like, a camera shot out of the mask. 
which is creepy. And then we kind of see him writhing, and it's which just does disgusting. look animalistic. Um, it does. It does. Uh, the two, oh, man, the, I would then, say there's two things I want to point out that I kind of took from this scene. One is that it's interesting that we're up in this. So the scary portion of this house is in the attic, which is interesting just because in Murder House, it was the basement that was scary. Here, sure. we're now in an attic. Asylum, we're just all over the place, so it didn't matter. Um, the other thing that I, I was kind of wanted to point out is when someone says, like, why are you doing this to Kathy Bates? She she just, or uh, Madame Lilari, she just says, because I can. So there's a little, that was a little chills there. Like, that, that, that is how messed up this lady is in her head. Um, also interesting that, uh, I think it looked like it was only men slave, male slaves. Did you notice any female slaves in there? I didn't know. I did. I did not. You're, that's a good point. I didn't know. I didn't notice that, but it doesn't mean that there weren't. And right. so if anybody else saw, saw that, please feel free to yeah. correct us. And I'm sure we'll have more right. flashbacks to that terrible, regardless, it's just horrible torture chamber. It's setting the tone for a very female empowered, uh, show. So Sure. Before we, that's very true. A good point there. Before we jump ahead to the next part, I just want to also say back to your point about um, her saying "because I can." It almost makes you think that, like, uh, clearly she's a horrible racist. But it seems like her issue is not so much like she doesn't torture them. I think it's more of a power. It seems like a sociopathic power trip more yeah. than like a ingrained. Racial hatred. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, she just... absolutely. If she if, if she was just pure racist, she. I mean, why isn't she just killing them then? She's trying to get something out of them, so she believes in something else. Like, and she's on a power trip, like you're saying, possibly. Uh, and she has this kind of entitled socialite, rich lady uh, complex. Clearly, um, and I mean, what a hell of a opening sequence, too. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and from there, I mean that. I'll say this about this episode, and um, I'll bring it. I'm going to bring this up again at the very end because I've got a few more thoughts to say about it. But about this episode, like we dive in headfirst, where I think we we in um, Asylum we talked about things moving a little bit slowly at the beginning. I kind of feel like yeah, I feel like here it was like boom into the in. deep end, submerge. Which maybe they were doing that intentionally just because Asylum did move a little bit more slowly at the beginning. I don't know. Right. We were also, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was expecting, as we kind of knew that this would happen, but, and as American Horror Story tends to do, is a bounce between different eras, different time uh, time eras. So, I figured, I mean, in, in Asylum, we started in the, the present tense with Adam Levine and the uh, Channing Tatum's wife, and then we bounced back to the, the, the past, the 60s. Whereas here we're starting in the 1800s, and I'm I was assuming we were going to bounce immediately to to the present time, which is kind of like what Murder House did too. Um, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point that Murder House bounces time a little bit too. I mean, obviously not as blatantly as Asylum did, right? But it looks like we've got two eras to deal with in this show, though, kind of like um, Asylum was, you know, mm-hmm. two set eras. So exactly. Um, so we dive from there into the credit sequence. So this is a little bit of an extended credit sequence, more than the preview that we had um, seen kind of coming up before. A big question going in was why aren't uh, Angela Bassett, Gabrielle Sidibe, 
in the in like the credits with everyone else's name. And we did. I did see them come up this time. I did, I did you notice that they came up? But under guest stars, special guest and star, special guest star. So yeah. I was wondering what your thoughts were on this. I have a few, but you go ahead first. I just don't think they they're going to be playing. They're not going to be in you know more than half of the thirteen episodes or whatever it is. They're just. I mean, although it does look like Angela Bassett is going to be a main player, especially when we saw the preview for the upcoming season. Um, at least Gabourey, she, she doesn't seem like she's going to be that big of a player. So maybe they're just not present in every single episode or more than two-thirds of the episodes. So they're just kind of relegated to being special guest stars because they're big names, but they're not going to be in every episode. That's That's how I took it. I was going to say something very similar that I think that they – it doesn't mean that they don't play important, meaningful roles, but it just means that they are not the prominent – they're not as prominently featured as everybody else. Right. They're going to have their specific big function um, and then kind of – yeah, not necessarily they'll be in every episode or certainly not every scene. Um, okay, so at the credits end, we're immediately entering the modern day. Uh, we see Thaisa Farmiga, who is – her playing her character's name is Zoe in this season. Um, looks like her parents aren't home. She's having sex with her boyfriend or preparing to have sex for the first time with her boyfriend. Um, who has a really who has a douche earring? By the way, I noticed. I just want to point that out too. Um, we have a lot of skin close-ups that were like very PG thirteen. <laughs> like you couldn't really tell what was happening. Right. Um, and then. We had predicted when we had heard that she kills her boyfriend with sex, vagina teeth. Right. It doesn't appear like that's no. necessarily the case. Right. But something about her having sex. Something about with... her, a guy being inside of her, to put it. Is that too crude? Like she... I don't know. Yeah. Um, no. I, I know it's obviously... They have to actually like physically be together. I'm making motions with my hands yeah, here. Right. And somehow she sucks the life out of them, basically. Uh, you know, we see blood start running out of his nose and then, like, out of his eye sockets. And then he, like, is writhing and he's dead. Um, really pretty gruesome. And can I just go ahead and say right now, since we've seen the powers of the other people at Miss Robichaux's, that that is... What a terrible power to have. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> it reminds the, me of... It reminds me of... Um, rogue in uh x-men where she can't Mm -hmm. like ever touch anyone because she'll kill them right uh terrible power yeah um potentially the easiest to hide i guess right but also very alienating lonely power she could just become a nun you know and then she'd be fine and then she'd be in the asylum Um, (laughs) but anyway pretty gross um kills him and then we immediately go from there to a, tr- a train where she's on her way to Miss Robichaux's. It reminded me, like, her on a train to the school made me oh, think yeah. Harry Potter a little bit. <laughs> but first, I, yeah, it totally did. But I do want to point out that we, we got a glimpse of Francis Conroy and a team of, I don't know, like, pit bull boy right. band lookalikes that are uh, the ones that take her there. Absolutely. And what she st- it's because when she's on the train, she starts narrating. And when she starts narrating, she takes us back to the house and kind of the aftermath of what happened when the boyfriend died. Yeah. Um... So I love Francis she has this Conroy talk. This. She has this talk with her parents first about like genetics and how like the grandma was a witch and how they should have told her. The, I've got to be honest that I was not a huge fan of this whole interchange with the parents at all. It was kind of like, 
Uh, we should have told you that when you have sex, you kill people. I mean, it was... Well, maybe, do they know that that would be her power? I'm assuming not. <laughs> maybe they just Otherwise, assume that she wouldn't, I don't know, as we learn later on, like, a lot of these people didn't procreate because they didn't want to be witches or have witches around. But I don't know if, I, I, don't, I kind of assume that they didn't know if the power would be that power. Or if there's only, like, a certain amount of powers that witches can have, and there's, like, five, and... You know. It sounded to me like they didn't know she had a power until this happened. Like okay. maybe they thought she was probably in the clear. Right. And so maybe her grandma had this one too, or maybe she didn't. We don't know. My guess is she probably didn't, or I feel like they would have said something to her. So they probably, she didn't have any blatant power, so they didn't say anything. Don't have um, sex with the boys. Any teenage girl would have been like, uh, okay, that's what all parents say. So no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and we, like, she's, you know, talking about, she kind of gives us this crash course introduction to witches. Um, she talks, you know, we have this kind of flashback to the Salem witch trials. And yeah, which everyone this, this pretty is, much knows. Um, but, like, the camera work and stuff in, like, the old, the way um, it was filmed is, is pretty trademark Alfonso Gomez right home. home. Um, he likes to do different time periods and, like... And cool transitions. Different, different, different filters and colors and music and stuff to kind of indicate that it's a different time period. So that was very cool. We got, a, like, a little glimpse of the Salem Witch Trials there. Um and she she kind of uses this to tell the story about how all the Salem witches fled to New Orleans, and that kind of became the new Salem. Right. And all the women that were killed in Salem in the witch trials were not actually probably witches because the witches were too smart. Yes, she does make that that point. Um, and then we do see these pit bull dude agents. Um, at least one is an albino guy. Uh <sighs> This was all very weird to me, too. I thought Francis Conroy was good, but I feel like I didn't understand what she was. Like, Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to it, yet, obviously. It was like, it was just too, it happened too fast, and I was a little bit frustrated with this, because she seemed like a cool, interesting character, but it was like, oh, was that just Francis Conroy, what's going on? Yeah. Now she's gone. I, I, yeah, like I think just, it was just enough of a tease that I was like, oh, God, I can't wait till we find out more about this person. <laughs> They just, like, pick her up. It's like she, she's, like, the admissions counselor or something where, like, they, she just travels around and picks up potential witches and drops them off at the school or something like that. Right. With her little entourage of security guards. Right. She reminded me of, uh, God, what's the girl's name in Hunger Games? The, the weird lady? The one that's played by Elizabeth Banks? Yes. Effie something? Yeah. A cross between her and uh, Grace Coddington, the uh, Vogue, um, like, creative director or something like that. Like, the yeah, number two yeah. to Anna Wintour. I was going to say, like, Professor Trelawney from the Harry Potter movies, yeah. too, with the hair. But I, I don't know, just that kind of, I, I was so excited. Like, her looking at the drapes, I didn't even hear what she said. I couldn't make it out when I heard it, but it was just, it was, it was I knew it was kind of judgy, but... It was she was such a character that I I got really pumped and God bless Frances Conroy I think I she she's done a whole lot of crazy characters for American Horror Story from the maid to the Angel of Death to that like kind of butch tough girl in the prison also or in the asylum also oh yeah and now she's doing the I mean she's all over the map and I I think she's one of kind of the unsung heroes of uh, American Horror Story so I'm really excited to see what they do with her uh, or what her character t- turns out to be. That's a good point that she's pretty 
She's pretty versatile. diverse. I mean, they've, they've yeah, versatile. They, she's kind of the Swiss Army knife of American Horror Story. They've used her <laughs> in like, like all sorts of different situations. Um, and I, it's true. I was a little frustrated that we only got a tease of that. Right. Yeah, me too. I would like more. So I'm excited for when we find out more about her. Um, essentially, they just drop Zoe off at Miss Robichaux's and disappear. And so she kind of enters the place by herself and is like walking through this pretty mansion. spartanly decorated mansion, like whitewashed walls. She sees like the paintings of what must be like the old witches. Right. Um, we get kind of like the, again, the trademark camera angles, like the fisheye camera of like the dining hall. Up in the high and... corners of the rooms. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's and very like... bleak. A lot, a lot of natural light in this building, but very bleak, like you're saying, sparsely decorated. And then, yeah, and then of course she hears something kind of moving behind her of course this is so murder house too i thought <laughs> yeah that's a good good point they had of course the three which is basically like spring up on her pin her down to a table pretend they're gonna stab her <laughs> wearing these masks and then are just like just kidding yeah <laughs> we're just messing with you yep and that's how we get introduced to madison who's emma roberts who we find out was a movie star mm-hmm. Um, and is also kind of a bitch. Yeah, she's like the tough, uh, mean girl. She's totally the <sighs> yes. popular mean girl in this group. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Nan, who's played by Jamie Brewer, who was Adelaide in season one. Right. And she's clairvoyant, we find we out. We find out, yeah. She's fantastic, too. They all, I thought they cast these girls pretty well. We don't know much. Well, anyway, continue. And then we have Gabrielle Sidibe, who's Queenie, who's like a human voodoo doll, which is like... Crazy. I want to say like... A very creative power kind of thing. I, I agree. I was, I mean, I'm sure, well, do you, are we just going to jump to the dinner table yet? <laughs> Not quite yet. I was just going to, I just figured since we're introducing these characters, we can go ahead and say what their powers are. Yeah. And we can talk more about it at the at the dinner table. But it was kind of, I just thought this was a cool kind of way to to introduce them. And like you said, very Murder House kind of plays with like the whimsical mood we kind of expected for this season a little bit. Um. And so they all introduce themselves, and then, of course, Sarah Paulson shows up as Cordelia. I got goosebumps kind of ex- when Sarah Paulson walked in. I was like, oh, there's our girl. And she comes in and explains the history of the Academy. Um, there's a lot of preposition, or exposition, excuse me. Um, a lot of exposition in this episode. A lot of people just explain the history of things. Like, we had Zoe explaining the history of Salem, and we have right. Cordelia explaining Robichaud's history, how it was... Establishes a safe house for witches in 1868, how witches are a dying breed, how there is the supreme witch that embodies countless gifts, but she is not the supreme, um, and how basically the other the girls give her a little bit of shit for essentially teaching them to suppress their powers. Is right. What it's a hint like. at her philosophy. Her philosophy is kind of hide, hide, but yeah, hide basically. Um, but she, as an example of like there, there being good reason to hide, she um, discusses this situation where we see Lily Rabe come up, um, in which this girl was essentially recently uh, burned for being a witch. There's this, like this scene with a bunch of Bible thumpers, and it's like they've got like snakes and stuff. I don't know if they're going to be like, they're probably like hardcore evangelical speaking in tongues kind of church group. It looks like, and she's in the back and she like picks up a dead bird and brings it back to life. 
um, and somebody sees her. Also, I, w- I also want to say that like the 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 lens and the um, filter used for this scene was also very cool. Yeah, I liked it. Very stylized. But basically, they determine she's a necromancer and she gets burned. And so they're saying this is like the that Salem like Salem is going to happen again here, and that's why they kind of need to stay under wraps. Right. And they're currently under siege, and they need to just stay kind of out of sight, out of mind as much as possible. So Lily Rabe is dead. So yes, yeah. So Lily Rabe is dead. Um, do you think that's the end of her? Like, is that is that her no? Thing? She's in the main credits. Clearly not. But like, I don't know. There's I, 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 as we go through this whole episode, there's a point where I'm like, wow, we just knocked off like three of our main characters. <laughs> What's going Seriously. on here? Obviously, death isn't the end in this mm-hmm. show. Well, and I mean. There's a couple things that hint at her still being around. I mean, we talk her being a necromancer is part of it, and also when she's getting burned, she says something about like you will burn for this or something like like basically hinting right. that she's going to come back and reap vengeance. Right. So I, th- I hope so. She's great. I think that's a good point that um, death maybe isn't what it seems in this season because there's kind of um, in like the cuts for like what's going to happen later in the the season too. We kind of see that in different form. We'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, so we get introduced to all the witches, and we kind of get all the history, and pretty much brought up to speed about what's going on at Miss Robichaux's in New Orleans. Right. Now, Sarah Paulson. Also, I just want to point out real quick, Cordelia. She she's she's this different than we've seen Sarah Paulson before. She's very sweet, very maternal mm-hmm. in a way, and seemed very level headed and down to earth. So that's kind of cool to see. She's obviously playing a different character than she's played in the past. So. Very versatile. True. Anyway. It's, and that's one of the things that we can say about this show for sure is like how cool it is to see the different um, roles right. each of these characters plays and how different they are. I mean, we talked about it at Frances Conroy, and maybe she's the most dramatic example. But, I mean, right. everybody from um, obviously Sarah Paulson and Jessica Lange and Lily Rabe. Lily Rabe and Evan Peters. Um, mm-hmm. Tisa Formiga is a little bit playing. A character that the same. thus far seems pretty similar in type kind of like to Violet. Kind of gothy teenage girl thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of shy. She's good at it. <laughs> She's good at it. Um, but anyway. I, I, I was point. thinking, though, like, I kind of, it would be sweet to see Connie Britton in this role also. That would have been pretty sweet. But I I love Sarah Paulson, don't get me wrong. But I'd love to have Connie Britton She's too, in this She's show. too busy singing country music on yeah. shows. Pretty successfully, it seems, too. I don't watch that show. But anyway, moving on. So we cut to um, a town car in what apparently is Los Angeles. I really like how we how this like scene is I set love up. This. We see the door open and just the kind of stiletto come Shoot. out, the black stiletto come yeah. out of the bottom. We get this bird's eye view of this like very designer umbrella like moving into the building and stuff like, and like this giant black dot. It was very cool, very stylized, very sleek, very stylized. Yeah. Um, and clearly embodies the the mood and temperament I feel like of this character immediately without any words without any noise really it was you knew it was Jessica Lang as soon as that shoe popped out too didn't you oh absolutely um, and I actually thought that she was sh- that the car was pulling up to Ro- Miss Robichaux that she was already Me showing too. up in New Orleans so I was kind of surprised when we find out that it's this other turn that she's basically at the science lab where scientist is showing her these new developments they're making and it sounds like um, like a anti-aging or death prevention type medicine that they've been testing on monkeys. Right. And he's explaining that it's like 
going to be in testing in like two years and it's Friday in the line, but they're making good progress. And all of a sudden she just kind of says like, I want it now immediately. Like, okay. I have a dinner this evening now. Yeah. (laughs) It's like totally taken aback by this. Um, but she wants this anti-aging serum. And so she blackmails this guy basically by saying that like, I'm going to pull, you know, all the funding comes from my ex-husband. Um, I wonder if we'll learn more about her, marriage and stuff like that later mm-hmm. but apparently she was married to some guy who had a ton of money and that's Loaded. how she's bankrolling this um scientist Biotech company and she's looking for an infusion of youth essentially cut to in like we don't really know whether or not he gives it to her cut to her uh at her it looks like her penthouse she's dancing she's snorting a whole lot of coke um she kind of seemed depressed. I was thinking that she didn't get it or something like that. Like she, that's what I thought. I thought she, yeah, I thought we cut like to that evening or something where she just was super depressed, hence doing coke and uh, smoking cigarettes and just kind of dealing with her mortality in her mind. And I want to point out that I this reminded me of her um, from Asylum as Judy before she was Sister Jude. Jude. Uh, back when she was the singer, Judy, kind of like the drunken, dancing, slutty, slutty kind of life, um, not really having a direction in life, basically. So I cut it. Right. I mean, we see some parallels there. Right. Right. But uh, the doctor, basically, this the doctor shows up at the door, and we find out that she's been on this serum now for five days, and nothing's happened. And she demands that, like, he double her dosage and stuff like that. So he's pretty pissed. He already, like, she interrupted his daughter's violin recital or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's, yeah. he's already risking his job. He says he's going to resign. And so she uses magic to close all the windows, throws him into a wall with her magic. And it looks like she's going to have sex with him, but then she kind of sucks the youth, it looks, she sucks the youth out of him, is what it looks like to Dementors me. Dementors right? kiss. Well, it, what, it, it, that's a cool illusion. What it reminded me of was Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost. No, not Raiders of the Lost. Like Last Crusade, when the Nazi guy drinks the grail that is not the right grail. And, and he shrivels. like Yeah, exactly. And he like ages super fast and his yeah. hair turns white and he turns to dust. That's, that's it totally also reminded me. reminded me of the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> When the mummy comes and like comes and sucks the life out of the four guys that opened up the chest, so he could the mummy can become whole again. We've so a lot of illusions there. We've seen a lot of this, yeah, like sucking the youth out of people before. Yeah, um, he looks like the creep show guy. And then the she, crypt keeper. Then she okay. So then she's like looking into these windows or mirrors. I can't quite tell what it was. Um, and. It looks like she looks she looks younger, right? Like we can see the youth visible in her. Did you think that? I I thought that, but I, then I was like, am I just thinking that because I'm? This is what I'm being manipulated to assume that she actually does look younger now. So I'd like to go back and look to see if they did that, but I'm sure they did some makeup and stuff to make her look older previously. And that's what I thought too. I thought that she looked younger for a second, and then it goes away super fast. Like it's just not lasting at all. Because um, then we kind of see her face like. Did you notice that like her like her face starts sagging on one her face like starts sagging on one side and yeah it's like returning to its normal age and then she breaks the mirror so I think that was supposed Mm -hmm. to show that like 
she is able to suck youth from people, but only for like a very short period of time. Right. Hence, she wants this serum that she was taking or this this drug. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that she has this vanity complex, too. Similar. Right. We also to now at this point know that she's the supreme because yeah. she just she just displayed like a few powers. Yeah, she can do everything, which Cordelia makes it clear that like each witch, all the other witches Has have like power. one power. Um, so back to, back in New Orleans, we we meet Spalding, the butler, but like kind of in a very passive way. This is Dennis O'Hare from season one who played Burned Up Larry. Um, he has no tongue, we find out, so it's not like he is going to have a whole lot of talking, but it's like... I'm assuming that we learn more about him as time goes on, but right now he was kind I'm of... I'm sure we will, yeah. Basically, he was just there to get insulted by Emma <laughs> by Roberts' Emma character. <laughs> um, they're sitting around the table having dinner, and this is kind of where we see their powers displayed a little bit. Um, yeah, I liked this scene. This was like one of the few scenes with the, the younger girls that we got to kind of at least get some personality. And Cordelia's and not there, powers. so they're kind of, yeah, um, their powers are a little bit um, on display. We find, you know, we see Nan being clairvoyant she's able to tell that um zoe had a boyfriend and that he she had something with a boyfriend and tells that to the group um we see madison's story about how she seems to have a little bit of an anger problem how essentially she just literally like, holy cow dropped a light on the head of a director just because he told her to move over <laughs> right to hit her marks or whatever and so we we learned that she has the power of like moving things with her mind which we, yeah, which obviously um, Fiona the Supreme does too. Um, right. So they can do the same kind of throw things to the wall, flip things, that kind of thing. Um, and then we see Queenie, the human voodoo doll, because she kind of gets in a fight with Madison. Emma. Or Madison, yeah. And so she just like takes her fork and stabs herself in the hand and like makes... Yeah, I was like, whoa, girl. Kind of awesome, actually. That was, a, that was a cool power. It was pretty cool. That's a cool power. Um, I will, a few things that I think... I, I'm sure they'll address, or maybe they won't. I, I felt <laughs> I was a little weirded out that her name's Queenie and she's the black character. Um, I thought that was a little stereotypical. Mm-hmm. I might throw that out there. I don't want to be too. I'm not trying to be hypersensitive, but I must. I just kind of noticed. I was like, really, her name's Queenie. Come on, that's fair. I they all have very cliche names. I feel like. Um, yeah, like, Madison Montgomery. The, that like, seems the like alliteration in a actress's name. Come on. Oh yeah, it seemed like the bitchy actress's name, and but also makes it very campy and fun, which I think is what they're go- well, and like with they the witch, do that. the classic witch names like Fiona and Cordelia obviously seem like right witch names. Um, I don't anyway, know. that the whole sequence there at the dinner table was very cool. And I do want to point out that, that like Queenie was basically threatening to like cut her own throat. <laughs> like Yeah, that would be crazy. Like I wonder what would happen. Like would she actually die too because I, but then again she said when she was stabbing herself in the hand she was saying like I I don't feel that. Like I don't feel she, it. I don't care. She does so she doesn't feel the pain, but that doesn't mean that she wouldn't bleed out and die. Well, I mean obviously she doesn't bleed out because otherwise she would be more concerned about stabbing herself in the hand, right? But then again, yeah. doing such huge damage like I mean slitting an artery. I, I don't know if we don't know if her like body repairs itself or not, which would be a big question. Um, Some Wolverine shit there. Right. But uh it kind of makes me wonder like are we going to see this again later on? <laughs> I mean like 
maybe right. maybe she sacrifices herself that way at one point or something like that. But intense power, man. Yeah, yeah. One that I had not ever thought about, like clairvoyancy. Sure, thing you know, th- moving things with your mind, telepathic. Sure, uh, the killing people with sex. No, not in this way, and definitely not a human voodoo doll. That's like wow. Mm-hmm. So that props for intense. thinking creatively on powers to give uh, our characters here. For sure. Um, cut to Cordelia doing chemistry in the backyard. Um, Snape. That's a good... Ooh. Sorry. Good I, I only make a few gonna, Harry Potter things. You know Sorry. we're going to be making Harry Potter comparisons a they lot. They effing made it. They made it too. It kind of invites it. You've got a school for witches. I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, but so... I was going to ask you, so is Cordelia's power that she's, like, good at chemistry, or or do we not know I her power I think she might yet? be one of those, like, double-double toil and trouble, like, potions uh, witches, maybe. Perhaps. But is that is that really a power, though? I mean... I don't know. I kind of feel like we, we don't, don't know, know it yet. Yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like we don't, we don't know enough yet. We don't know what her power is. But she gets snuck up on by her mom, Fiona, who has come to New Orleans after seeing Lily rape dead on TV um, to prep the witches for the impending Salem witch trials that she thinks are going to happen again, basically. And point out the irony of a broom joke that Cordelia makes. I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of, like, jokes about witches. Like, we got kind of, we, I, I was kind of hoping we get them all around a system in this one, and then we get creative with them. But <laughs> it's, like, it's like one of those things, you can't not make the joke. You can't ignore it, yeah. So I think that's that's a good hope. But let's let's hope it's gonna get itself all the way. But yes, yeah, uh, so she saw uh, Lily Rabe's death, and she's back to kind of kind of shake up uh, shake up Miss Robichaux's school. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see some mother daughter um, tension. T- clearly tension. Clearly Cordelia holds some resentment toward her mother. Um, she feels like it sounds like that maybe when she was younger she was just like dumped off at Miss Robichaux's. And Fiona just kind of left her there for a very long time. Um, Fiona feels like Cordelia never lived up to her potential, which makes which makes me kind of think that we're going to see Cordelia's power, like not for a while, but later on, and we're going to find out that maybe she's a lot more powerful than we realize. That like she just I keeps like that idea. I hope so. I think you're right. I hope I hope that's what happens too, because I feel like someone they have to withhold like. These powers are interesting enough, well, at least like the ones like the voodoo one and the sex one, that I think it would be more fun if, uh, you know, uh, this, seems, this seems to be the only character so far we don't know who or what her powers are, so I hope we kind of withhold this for a while and it comes out later, um, just because it would be kind of a cool reveal when it, when, when right. it happens. Um, so, of course, they talk about preventing the next sale. I do think it's funny that basically Fiona says that... Uh, the problem is social media. That like that's how the witches aren't gonna. I mean, they can't escape this time because between video and YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that, that they're gonna. Be I may have rolled my eyes at this. I was like, really, we're making social media commentary on this. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, nothing's safe. Nothing's protected anymore because everything's documented. But um, for being the sole reason to for witches to not hide their powers, I was like, all right, that's a little light. It was a little light, a little astute observation, but a little bit like, I agree, I rolled my eyes a little bit at that too. Um, (laughs) 
And then we hear them refer to... Also the way they say, like, oh. like Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Clear. The, 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 the dialogue is a little wonky for me. It's not as, like, sharp as the previous seasons had been, I think. Well, and this I, is written by Falchuk and uh, Murphy, so... Um, I mean, I know they know their stuff. I'm not trying to hard, hate on them. Well, and I think it's also fair to say that I'm sure Jessica Lang has n- probably never used Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. <laughs> we'll find out. I'm going to look after this. Um, they reference the Council of Witches, so it sounds like there is a witch right. council. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll hear more about that later on. But um, <laughs> Basically, I mean, she does say, like, the storm's coming, though. And they really emphasize that, like... They really hate each other. It's not even just like they've got a little bit of minor disagreement. I think Cordelia says to Fiona, like, when are you just going to die? So Yeah, when are you going to die and you ruined my life? <laughs> right, so they've got some major uh, obstacles Issues to overcome. So, And we learn their basic, their, 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 their core difference, their basic philosophies on what to do with the school. Right. Cordelia thinks we should be hiding our powers and uh, blending in. And Fiona says, it's not time to blend in anymore. We need to step up and uh, be who we are and go back to that time where we were out loud and proud. So there's a core philosophical difference between these two relatives, this mother-daughter. And I'm sure it's going to come to a head later on. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to see different teams dividing up, I'm sure. I have a feeling they're going to have to team up eventually. So we'll see. I hope so, too. Like Walter and Jesse. <laughs> oh, Sorry. R.I.P. Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Madison and Zoe are going to a frat party. Seems like... After Madison says, do you have anything that you own that's not from The Gap? Oh, yeah. She... Funny joke. That was funny. <laughs> anyway, so they're at the frat party. Or going so, to the frat party. So they're going to the frat party, and this is when we first see Evan Peters. He's on a party bus. Um quite a frat to be able to rent out a party bus i don't i i've never i mean i was not in a frat i don't know how frats function so i don't know if this is a common thing but it seemed like pretty like impressive they must have some big donors or something i was just unsure why they were taking a party bus to i assumed was their own fraternity party uh i I didn't think it was Uh, well oh it was another okay i assumed it was someone else because i why else would they be taking the party bus but Right. I could be wrong about that. Maybe they had it out there just so that way they could have a powwow to talk about rules before they go in. Right. Yeah. Which that was one of the most cliched uh, <laughs> frat boy speeches I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I was I was a little like okay, but again, very campy, and it kind of fits this uh, American Horror Story mold in a way, and so it was still fun to me, and I liked it. A lot of, you know, I, I would say that a lot of this episode was very campy, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Very melodramatic. The more I think back on it, though, the more I think I actually enjoy it for what it is when I think of it that way. That, like, I think, yeah, it's not that they were just, be, I don't think that they were just, like, falling into tropes and cliches, but I think that they were trying to pay homage in different ways. And I think that, obviously, we see hints of, like, you know, Brian Murphy's unique vision in different places, and that is only going to come into fruition as we continue. Um, but I think that we're just kind of setting the scene. We get a lot of that. And so we see Evan Peters as Kyle, the frat boy. Um, they go to Tulane, and he's giving this speech about how basically everyone needs to be on their best behavior. Best behavior, in quotes, um, because they're on probation. <laughs> so 
they kind of give this rally cry. They all run. They like run out of the bus <laughs> into the party. Um, quite a sweet house for a party too. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty sweet party. And and the this whole sequence we're about to go through right now completely reminds me of this like teen drama or this you know these these like uh, Twilight esque. Uh, or in my generation, it was every time the hot girl enters the party, you know, it goes slow mo and music is playing. Like, can't hardly wait. This is this is a little bit um melodramatic. This is so well, it's it's melodramatic. I was gonna say this is a little bit dated, but what came to mind for me was um Leonardo DiCaprio's version of Romeo and Juliet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Of course, yeah. But we we have Uh, what's his name. Baz Lurman's Lur- right? version, right. Yeah. Um, so we have Madison and Zoe show up at the party, and everyone re- like sees them enter immediately and recognizes Madison because she's a movie star. Celebrity. Um, and immediately she like gets whisked away for some girl to get her a drink. So Zoe's left Yeah, away. that's all. I like, I, I like some of these teenage tropes. They're fun to me still. I like it. I, I, I liked it too. Um and of course, we kind of had that Romeo and Juliet moment where Kyle sees Zoe across the room, is immediately attracted to her. They are looking at each other, kind of through the ice sculpture. Um, what do you? I mean, what did you think about that scene? Was that trying to like? Was it just a cool camera trick, or was it like a metaphor of some kind? Right. I was trying to think about that. I, I definitely think it's uh, it was a cool camera trick. I love the division between the two, and that they're separated by something, and there's no way that they could ever be together because of this thing uh this barrier but i couldn't get a grasp around what i thought a metaphor for this could be like what what this ice represented well uh, I, I mean i think that's a good enough explanation right there just something between them uh, obviously being uh zoe's condition um but <laughs> good point and cool shot by alfonso um we get the view through the ice sculpture kyle comes and introduces himself um we find out that it sounds like um, he kind of says, like she kind of says, oh, you're just another one of those frat boys. And he says, well, I'm actually on scholarship. It sounds like maybe all the other guys are kind of like rich kids. Snobs. But he's from the Ninth Ward. Scholarship, parents from the Ninth Ward, yeah. He's from the Ninth Ward that got decimated by Katrina and is um, there on scholarship, basically. So apparently we're trying to paint him as like he's a good kid, kind of, basically. Here we are again with star-crossed lovers. Mm-hmm. And between Tysa and Evan. While they're talking, however, Madison is kind of like, um, I thought she was in control of the situation, really. She kind of tells the frat I boy. I thought that, so, like, too. She, like, pulls out a cigarette, and she's like, you're going to be my slave tonight. Go get me a drink. And immediately gets roofied. <laughs> like, Also, two things. One, a slave reference. Let's not forget what we're mm, dealing with here. Good point. I found that interesting. I don't know what to make of it yet, but... Two, yeah, like, roofied. And we move, like, one thing that this episode does is it just barrels through storylines. Like, we went from her smoking a cigarette telling this guy that she wants him to be her slave to, obviously, we, like, once we see the next scene, we realize that he had gotten her that drink and boom. Like, we, we miss the, the the scene where she's drinking it and stuff, which is kind of nice to just keep moving so quickly through a storyline. Um but anyway, you're going on with what we cut to, which is, oh yeah, by the way, don't forget, this isn't a teen drama. This isn't Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. This is American effing horror story. Here's a rape scene. 
an intense kind of like very uncomfortable moment really i mean oh my god yeah it's like the worst thing you can think of at a college party right what's the worst that can happen oh you're gonna get gang raped not Every only in there filming it and they're taking pictures of it and it's um, these are awful people oh my like, god it's this frat is the worst they are the Lord. worst. it is gross and no one Ugh. like it really just kind of a disgusting scene right there um in the meantime of course rape. yeah already I mean, like, and i was like oh holy wait, shit. american horror story Anyway, and there, yeah, there's your horror for you. Sometimes horror it isn't necessarily supernatural. It's just the kind of shit that shitty people do. Um, and in the meantime, Zoe's talking to Kyle. Tells him essentially that it's it not, it's work. not, it's not going to work. But where's medicine? Uh, so they look all over, can't find it. Decide to go upstairs. Kyle goes upstairs and basically walks in on the guys gang raping her and starts fighting them immediately. So, so much for him kind of being their fearless leader because, like, it just seemed like he didn't fit in with these guys to begin with. Like, yeah, they get in a fight. He kind of gets punched a few times. He, like, chases them outside and they, like, rush onto the bus and just start driving away. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, like, we're now we're in this, like, like, it it hit the fan. All like it 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 just like snowballed into this crazy thing now where they're kicking the bus driver off and they're like trying to figure out what to do. It's just like whoa! How do we get here? Kyle gets knocked out on the bus. Zoe finds mm-hmm. Madison like whimpering in bed. Um, Zoe decides she's gonna like Chases run him after. Down. Which I mean, like, what was she gonna do? Like, pin him down and have sex with each one individually until they died? <laughs> I mean, clearly this was just an act of desperation for her new friend. But like. Maybe she has sex with the bus? <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for making those jokes. But it kind of invites it upon itself. I but, like, too. really pretty dark. They chase, She's chasing the bus. She starts crying. <laughs> what are you going to do, Zoe? Have sex with the bus. Then all of a sudden, from, like, from whimpering in bed to walking in the street, like, super pissed, Madison walks out there and fucking flips the bus over. And, it's like, explodes it, basically. With a flick of the wrist. Just like a boom. And so there's... I mean, that was a cool scene. Powers. I wrote down, whoa, in caps. It was... Um, it was pretty... It was pretty intense. Um, have you seen... I want to ask at this point. Um, have you seen the movie Chronicle? By any chance? It was the one about uh, three like high school kids. And in some ways it reminded me kind of of this scene and of what happens here. It's about three high school kids um, who like... They're at, like, this party, basically, and they're, like, wandering off in the woods of this party, and they, like, stumble across. They, like, see something, like, fall from the sky, and they, like, plummet into the earth. It's like a meteor or something like that, and they, like, stumble across it, and it basically is, like, this orb thing that gives them powers, these three kids. And so they basically, Mm -hmm. like, get powers, but one of the kids, like, the main kid who um, is filming everything, who's played by, um, his name's Dane DeHaan. He's He's been in a lot of different stuff now. I think if you looked him up, you'd recognize him. And it's also got the, uh, Michael B. Jordan, who was in that um, Oakland, the movie about the uh, Oakland. Um, anyway, the guy who got shot. Uh, in the also, he was in The Wire. Yeah. And uh, Friday Night Lights, too. Fruitvale Station is the... Fruitvale Station is what I was thinking. But anyway, so in that movie, like, the main character there is basically this kid who is, like, abused by his drunk dad at home and stuff like that. And once he gets these powers, it's like he's very, like... He has the power stronger than any of his friends, and they have the same kind of powers that Madison has, where it's like they can move things with their mind and like 
make things explode and all this kind of stuff. But he's really volatile because he comes from like this broken home and stuff like that. And so just kind of, it totally reminded me of this kind of thing where it's like, obviously she's super upset, comes out and like immediately flips the bus and explodes it. It'll be, it's, she's going to be, I think a character where it's like, she's gone through a lot of shit and is not able to necessarily control this really intense power that she has. Right. And I mean, maybe that Cordelia or Fiona or someone will kind of help her corral it a little bit more. But yeah, intense moment. Um, great dark scene there. Uh, the next day, the bus is on the news. They're watching it in the kitchen of Miss Robichaux's. Seven boys dead, two in critical condition. Madison goes to the kitchen, asks for Greek yogurt. That was awesome. I, I thought that was that was a well placed joke. Well done, Falchuk. Well done, Murphy. That was a good one. Asks, uh, what's his face? Uh, Spalding. Dennis O'Hare. Yeah, yeah, for Greek yogurt. Mm-hmm. Ha! Ha! All right. Uh, and then we, we see, this is the first scene in which Fiona is kind of introduced to the young witches. She just, I mean, there's not any dramatic entrance. She's just kind of like there. And they're like, who are you? She's there. And uh, Madison sasses her. And she immediately, and, and she immediately, she, this is how she kind of immediately displays multiple powers obviously she's clairvoyant because she knows that madison blew the bus up she then throws madison against the wall after being called a witch bitch right and Um, that says the saint hogwarts mm -hmm. then we have our sassy uh, harry potter joke but basically she establishes herself as the supreme immediately and says that she's pretty much there to train them and then makes them all go change into black for the field trip they're gonna go on in a minute i love it after she said that and told them all to change i was like i kind of love this direction that fiona's trying to take this school it's gonna be fun uh and they're all looking super classy out on the street yeah Um, they look like hot little gothic uh little click right there it's cool i liked also that they like walked past like a, a dead pig that like is going to a butcher shop is being pulled out of a van right at that time i, I, I mean, didn't see that that's great yeah they it's like it's, immediately when they cut to the new orleans street they're walking past that and i just thought that was like well a done. subtle little dark thing we're throwing in there like obviously animals i would just like to say play a huge role in this episode um right. between the bullhead going on the guy back in lalori's house the bird that gets brought back to life by lily rabe um the dead pig and stuff. I mean, obviously, with sac- sacrifice and all these spells with different animal parts and stuff like that, that plays a big part in kind of the witch um, trope. But they're on their they're on their way basically to some fountain that was like belonged to a different alternate coven that like was. It sounds like this was basically like a fountain where people were loud and proud about being witches, and then they got like all burnt up and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a rallying point, but it got destroyed during Katrina. They're going to go kind of break in and. Take it back. It. Yeah, basically take it back. But on the way, they walk past Madame LaLaurie's house, and Nan senses something there. So she wanders into a tour that's in progress on the inside. And, um, and they, they kind of a free tour. They follow her inside, and Fiona immediately like mind bends the tour guide to giving them a free tour. And she takes them up into the torture chamber and everything. We do cut back here to 1838 for a second. Uh, to talk about Lalori's like um, youth, basically the blood, basically the the blood face cream. Um, 
that this her vanity complex that made her kill slaves and use their pancreas blood or whatever as for... a, as a face cream essentially. Yeah. One thing I want to say here too is like an interesting kind of um normally when you think of like super racist Aryan people you think of like they're super obsessed with like pure blood and stuff like that, which makes it interesting that if these are like That's infidels, a, this is a good point. Wow, that she's yeah. like rubbing. Why would blood you rub on it on face? you if it's mud blood? <laughs> yeah, for exa- exactly. So, kind of an interesting, um, different take on what would be kind of a traditional, right? Bigoted this belief. Was, uh, along lines of this, when we start hearing this stuff, I started thinking more along. Like we have parallels clearly between uh, Lalaurie and uh, Fiona mm-hmm. with the vanity complex. So exactly, which hopefully I don't know. It looks like they may be teaming up in the future, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they are touring the torture chamber, and while they're touring the torture chamber, they kind of get the story of how basically Madame Lalaurie died. Um, the voodoo queen, played by Angela Bassett, who um, what's her name? Um, Shoot, oh, hold this on, let me bad. let me pull it up real quick because I think that's important. Because this was a real a real person too. That was Marie Laveau. There it is. Yep, um, who was a real figure who was thought to be this voodoo queen. Um, shows up and gives says to Madame Lalaurie that she can give her this love potion that essentially make will make. Her husband stopped cheating, which apparently is part of why Madame LaLaurie is so vain, is because her husband keeps cheating on her with younger men. Right. So. Poor girl. LaLaurie's so vain that she drinks up this potion right away. It tastes like like honey. Basically, without even thinking much of anything. Like, creepy great acting by Kathy Bates, I want to say, throughout this whole episode. Like, terrifying, gross person. And she ends up kind of writhing and dies there on the floor. (laughs) Um. Also, I want to say, I really love the music in this scene, too. Oh, yeah. Like, the kind of, like, voodoo music that came... I hope that comes whenever Angela Bassett's character is around, because that would be <laughs> awesome. Um, and we find out that Angela Bassett's character, um, Madame, or uh, Laveau, the Minotaur guy was, a lo- like, her lover, her lover, basically. And so that was why she decided she was going to kill Madame Valoria. As if torturing all these different slaves and stuff like that wasn't enough of a reason to kill her anyway. But, um... So I'm wondering if, I don't know, I you know how we talked about that there was like some creature that is prowling around New Orleans that has to do with like the Kathy Bates character we were talking about in our preview that there had been some word of that. I was thinking for a while that maybe like the Minotaur guy is like out there as a Minotaur somewhere. I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, I kind of thought that at the beginning, but after kind of seeing the upcoming episodes, I don't know that that's the case, but I kind of hope it is a little bit because that would be an awesome thing to be like randomly roaming streets is like a minotaur guy. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But no, anyway. <laughs> I have, no, I didn't have any thoughts on, I, I didn't think that far ahead. I mean, I know we're going to see something at some point, but I wasn't really thinking that yet. Anyway, they're up in the torture cave in like, they go back to present time where they're finishing the story and basically say Madame LaLaurie's body's never found. Well, back in the courtyard where it's just Fiona and Nan, clairvoyant Nan, seems to know that, like, sense that Madame LaLaurie is buried under the cobblestones right in front of him. Um, so just following the storyline, Fiona, after getting a little bit of an argument with Cordelia, shows back up at um, 
LaLaurie's house to dig up a coffin that's chained up, like, underneath the cobblestones, and she's still alive. Homegirl looks not a day over... Whatever age she was. Whatever she died, she died at 1884 or whatever it was. So when I ask... 1838, I guess. So when I ask you the question, are we supposed to believe that it's the slave blood that made her live? Or is it the potion that Angela Bassett I, gave? It's the potion. I think it was one of those things which reminds me of Alias, where they trap someone forever to make them immortal, but they're stuck in a place, so it's not like they could ever go anywhere. So it's like torture on mm-hmm. their mind forever. Yeah, so she's just been buried for a hundred... Yeah, and but immortal, but years or however buried long, yeah. forever. Yeah, Maybe. so yeah. that's what I thought. I think that probably, that makes more sense. Um, so she revives Lori and invites her for a drink because it sounds like she wants to figure out whatever her secret potion was for eternal youth. Um, pretty shitty at Fiona. She seems like a pretty terrible person thus far. I have to say, but fun. Um, not not as not as not as dark, but just kind of messed up. Yeah. Well, let's say we she's didn't not exactly killing like slaves. <laughs> no, she's not killing slaves, at least not yet. And um, I can't say that we like Sister Jude at first either. So maybe she'll reform, yeah. and we'll. Come I'm sure later. there'll be transformations with a lot of our characters. Right. So more to come on that in future episodes, and then of course Zoe, who shows up at. Um, the hospital to see if Kyle is one of the ones that still lived. And I thought it was going to be, I thought she was I did too. when she's peeking around the corner, I was like, it's gotta be him. I mean, we've already lost Lily Rabe. And it, obviously we, at this point we didn't know that, uh, Kathy Bates was alive. And I was like, ah, we're losing Kathy Bates. We can't lose. I mean, it really was like, we've lost two of our main characters in the title sequence. We can't have three. Right. But so this, sure was, enough, this, this was the surprise when it wasn't him. It was, it was the ass. It was that, the rapist, basically. It was yeah. the date rapist. Um, and so she s- closes the door and sexes him to death. She Well, this is this is what I found very interesting because she basically uses his crime and rapes him. To it death. was, yeah. It was like kind Kill of... Kill the dis- rapist with rape. It was it it was disturbing, but like, it was very disturbing to me. <laughs> uh, cre- creative comeuppance for sure, um, fitting yeah. fitting of the crime. Um, but also, even still, it's like what I wrestled with this. You know, is that I of course I'm thinking of this way too literally, not as a campy horror thing. But does the crime that someone committed warrant the same crime to be committed against them? Uh, I think that's a really good point, but at the same time, I gotta remember that this is like, oh, I mean, American Horror Story. What is? No, I wasn't even gonna say that. I was gonna say is like this is like an eighteen. Oh, I mean, how old do you think she's supposed to be? Eighteen, twenty, college so age. I, th- I thought she was supposed to be like seventeen or something. I assume, I assume college age. I guess because she's okay. going to college part. But I mean, I who knows? But basically, like teenage girls, you know. Yeah. Um, Obviously, immature, like, doesn't really understand the depths of her powers and, um... Just knows that she has this power when a certain thing happens. Well, it seemed to be so... I mean, I think that the reason she killed him had more to do with, like, that his death was related to Evan Peters dying than it did to the fact that he actually raped Madison. Yes. Although I do think that was a part of it. But it was, I think it so, seemed, too. It seemed She's like... like it seemed like people... Her, yeah, because it seemed like her grief was more about him. I mean, she even said something like that, and then we obviously see her at his memorial. Right. Um, 
I don't know. That being said, though, like, so she, at this point to me, that it's, it's veiled by a little bit of innocence, but she's just as bad as, uh, Madison, as Madison at mm-hmm. this point, killing people with her power. Well, and I mean, maybe that's something that we, I'm sure there'll be a rift there at some point. I was just saying, maybe that's something we'll end up discussing a lot. It's like kind of ambiguous morality of like, right. Is this the, you know? These girls with like powers just like medicine that are like they're volatile. And I, you're right. I mean, it's the same kind of thing where it's like their emotions take hold of them and they, I mean, I don't know if they really realize the power they have and what they're doing. And right. does the crime fit the punishment? Maybe that's a question we'll be asking a lot. Well, as far as horror movies go, this was one of the few shows or movies I've ever seen where they handled quickly like eight or nine dudes. <laughs> Uh, dead in an episode and not one well I guess one woman as far as we know is dead but even the ones that the other ones that died aren't dead yet mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of dudes died and a lot of women living so that's you know that fights a big stereotype in horror mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure um, I mean okay. and that kind of br- I mean that really brings us to the end of the episode obviously we'll talk yeah. about kind of what happens in the upcoming um, section, but before that, I guess so much happened in this episode. Uh, I mean, it moved fast. Once it's done and over, what are your overall thoughts as a first episode? Uh, I think we were introduced to a lot of our characters. We got a good basis for a few of them. There's a few others that we got teases of that, a la um, Francis Conroy's character, who we want to know more about, uh, uh, Dennis O'Hare's character, who we want to know more about. So. There, there was a lot to get excited about. It was a lot more straightforward and a lot less mystery, I think, than we've gotten in the previous seasons where you're like, what is going on? This one was more of an episode where we get a lot of background, a lot of introduction, and then a few WTF moments, but not a, not like, what's a Rasbird? Why is there an alien? And what's down in the basement? This is kind of a little more straightforward. Which is good, and it's fun. It's different. Um, I'm so excited about it. Um, again, as we mentioned before, I'm really excited that uh, to see what they do with the race relations issue because that's that's a fine line to walk uh, in the horror genre without being too. Uh, you you have to be sensitive to it, but you have to also you know call it what it is and address it in, a, in an overt way where it's. Yeah, we may be making a joke about it, but the joke, like the onion or something like that. But this joke is reflecting something that's serious. <laughs> they seem, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think that Brian Murphy and Brad Falchuk have any sort of um, hesitation about f- confronting anything head on. I mean, we saw gang rape in the season premiere. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they're going to be, they're going to come at things straightforward and... Um, I kind of appreciate that they don't like dance. They don't like dance around things or like be overly sensitive to things necessarily. Right. It's like they confront every issue. They try to confront it head on and equally, which I appreciate. Right. Um, as far as my take on this episode, I do. There's a lot of stuff I liked, but I felt like it was like a little bit overwhelming. I feel inundated in information because it was just like. I mean, like you said before, it was we were moving at like a breakneck speed, and so like so much plot happened in this episode, like. I think that what it was, I mean, is, like, setting the stage, basically. And so, like, a lot of stuff had to happen. Like, 
Evan Peters had to die so we can get to what happens with him next, it sounds like. We had to have the Lily Ray dying storyline to bring Fiona back and to kind of set up like that they're under siege. We had to have the Kathy Bates storyline with the Angela Bassett thing to um, deal with Jessica Lange digging Angela or dig, digging Kathy Bates back up for her youth serum and for future confrontations with the voodoo witches, it sounds like. Um, I don't know, just like, it, it was a lot of information very fast, and at first I was kind of like, I wish we had a little bit more time to enjoy these storylines instead of like moving so quickly from the one to the next. It's a lot of establishing, I think, so hopefully we'll mm-hmm. kind of get more development uh, future episodes. True, but at the same time, I do feel like the more I think back on it now, the more I'm start, I'm already appreciating the campy moments, the homages, the corny jokes. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's a lot to come, and I think that there's... While it was more straightforward, maybe there's not as much as much mystery as there has been in past seasons, there's clearly a lot of, a lot of plot that is going to be unwrapped in the next 12 episodes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of characters we want to learn more about. Um, we set up a lot of different interesting things to happen. Right. So are we going to rate it? Yeah, (laughs) Like like we typically do? I mean, uh, last season we did Rubbermen. Even, obviously, Asylum didn't have Rubbermen. We could do kind of stuck with that. Should we stick with Rubbermen, or is there something you see from this episode? We could do Minotaur Head. Oh, I feel like that's kind of (laughs) sad. Oh maybe, God! Maybe we should Slave just do parts. No, uh, no, 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 no. We're gonna no, stick. No. Let's stick with Rubberman. <laughs> okay. The classic. Uh, the classic I give movie. it a solid four. I would say I was Ooh. happy. I was introduced. I'm excited. It didn't give me a ton to be like, wow, this was a brilliant episode. But it gave me enough that I have a solid foundation, and I definitely want to see the next episode. Direction was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting. As for, I mean, for what limited we got with everyone in one episode, I was really impressed. Uh, and then, as far as writing, I feel I don't I'm not I don't want to knock it, but it, the dialogue I think could be a little you know more realistic. Yeah, a little more funny and silly if they're trying to go for the lighter thing. Like if they're going for these strong women, it could be a little more uh, developed as a uh as uh, not only as intellectuals but also a sassy and less stereotypical of like you know dropping facebook and twitter and like so, like the it, like emma roberts got the 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 invite on a part like about the party she got she got a tweet about it i is that what they do these days i i mean i'm not that old <laughs> but i i you get texts from people about parties you don't like get well, tweets about it right and she got an update, like she got like an update on her phone, as if it was a text message. Yeah, so, I, that was I unless know, she was like being direct weird. messaged. I don't think I. I think we're pretty savvy on social media, so I would venture yeah. to say that they messed up on that Thank one. You. That was not us. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I thought the same thing actually when I saw that, but it was <laughs> really um, I'm tweeting about. It. But there was definitely some stilted moments, and quite a few of them actually came with the Jessica Lang character. So far, I felt like um, mm. just some of her jokes, like you said, the kind of social media thing. She kind of it seemed like they weren't quite sure. She was kind of vacillating between um, like realistic dialogue, and then she would kind of do these um, like the witch jokes, like the broom one, like the Harry Potter one, like or don't make me drop a house on you. Is that what you were about to say? That's exactly the only other one we hadn't mentioned yet. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
So, I, like you said, I kind of hope, hope those are all out of the way now. I hope we're getting those lines forward. out of the way. For that reason, and kind of for the reasons I said, I'm going to give it three out of five rubber men. Okay. Um, I did love the, you know, I love that director. I liked the use of music a lot. Um, I'm excited about where a lot of these plot points are going. Um, especially like Kathy Bates was horrifying, but very, great acting. Um, so she's great. She is great. That was good, but I do feel like there's room for improvement, which I think is a good thing. We yeah. don't want to start out peaking and then go down from there. Right. So I would go ahead and say, so that's a solid 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, that's pretty good. That's a good, that's a good start. That is a good start. Um, so now a quick preview of what's coming up. Um, I want to talk about some of the things that I noticed in the clips. Um, sounds like Fiona sort of teams up with Lori to figure out how to find her youth serum. Um, Angela Bassett comes back. Um, as an opponent, opponent, and like all the dead bodies, it sounds like of slaves, like slave zombies, end up coming. Hey, out. I'm all you. You and I are both are all about zombies, so so I, we're I gonna have zombies here too. Um, and it sounds like with the Evan Peters plot, they're essentially gonna like make a Frankenstein's monster out of him. Yeah, basically. Well, I did not think that, but of course, here we are, American Horror Story. You think you're getting a story about witches? No, sir. Witches, zombies, Frankenstein's. Minotaur. I'm sure there'll be some supernatural other stuff. Minota- oh yeah, the Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. You gotta have at least seven things. Remember we always talked about like like throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. And like maybe a killer Santa. <laughs> I was thinking with with the Frankenstein Evan Peters that like maybe they'll find a way around like if he's if he's already dead then sex isn't going to kill him anymore so maybe ah then they'll that's be in love forever that's a good hey you're already thinking of head I feel like you already solved like something that happens in episode seven there we go <laughs> the sex problem is solved spoiler alert <laughs> um, um, but I, the one thing I noticed though with the with the preview is that it looks like we're not going to be jumping around uh, in eras anymore in time not, like looks like everyone's going to be present I know which surprised me I thought it's, it was going to be a lot more time jumping but we're bringing the old characters to the future so like yeah. we said death is not what it seems in this uh, this season right so. Lord help me if I have to sit through an episode with Kathy Bates trying to figure out how to tweet <laughs> Christ I That's, will quit the show if that if any of that crap happens I I have a feeling they, they'll be a little bit better than that we should help fingers crossed yeah. um <laughs> at that I want to go ahead and say we've kind of gone long so we have uh, gone know, really long ep- holy crap ep- episode premiere I want to apologize to everybody for going long but hopefully um I mean there is so much packed into this episode we had to talk about it all I assume future episodes will not be quite as long we'll be more but succinct think- Yes. But thanks for joining us, of course. Um, Chris, where can people find more of your uh, thought discussions? I'm on Twitter, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Tyler, you're at uh, uh, at TJMoss11, I believe. That is uh, where you can receive tweets from me. It's at TJMoss11. Um, if you can figure out how to get my tweets updating your phone, please let me know. <laughs> Tell Kathy Bates. Tell Madame Lalari so we have to deal with that episode. Anyway, I'm so pumped to be back, dude. We're doing this, and the show's great. It's great to be back. Check out our Facebook. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out out everywhere. Um, Until next week, happy hauntings, everybody. Bye. When I look out my window, many sights to see. And when I look in my window, So many different people to be 
that it's strange. 